0: My guest this week is stand-up comedian, documentary filmmaker, actor, and most importantly, number four on the list of the 32 homegrown rides that'll make you proud to be Irish,
1: Kevin <laughs> McGarren. <laughs> you did your research, man. I did indeed.
0: I'm number one in case anyone's wondering.
1: <laughs> I would pay a lot of money to get that <laughs> article written.
0: <laughs> Usually when I get a list like these, you ask people, for me, it's the, kind of the shallow moment in high fidelity, you say, you know, ask people their favorite films, you kind of know who they are. It's shallow, but you do. Hmm. Looking at this list If you put that in front of me And didn't mention you I would not have a goddamn clue Who this list is for <laughs> Some of my favourites And some of the most bizarre choices <laughs> I've, I've ever come up with The first one on the list I'm say I absolutely love This is Jack Burton In the Pork Chop Express And I'm talking to whoever's listening out there There is a hidden world Where ancient
1: evil Weaves a modern mystery w- What's going on here? Is this some kind of Magic? the darkest magic. They call it Little China. Finally we shall bring
0: order out of chaos. It's big trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. John Carpenter and Kurt Russell. I imagine like me kind of of a similar age. This was, you know, the the VHS movie that was passed around back in the day.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I had to pick a John Carpenter film. I love John Carpenter. He's one of my favorite directors. The running he through the 80s was just phenomenal He just grabbed that ball and just ran And started banging out film after film That are just, they're my favourites, you know Big Trouble, China isn't even my favourite John Carpenter film Selecting these films, I didn't pick my top three films Like my top film Is, oh i think Good, Good, Bad and the Ugly is an absolute epic You know, it's just a beautiful Beautiful film that I, I live in Once a year at least ah, no, It's more like once every six months I'd watch that film Like I love it so much
0: the other two I just think are leaner and more vicious, I kinda of think, as well. Good about the Uli is his most polished of the three of them.
1: Like have you seen Django, the original Django? Yeah. Yeah, the first two would, would have a it's a similar vibe. Like Django, just the sight of a man dragging a coffin is just cool. When you arrive in the town, it is the dirtiest town I've ever seen in a western there's a good two foot of just absolute shit that people are walking around in that film. And it's it's a dirty, grimy, horrible bastard of a film, but uh, very, very enjoyable. Sidetracked completely there from Big Trouble in Little China, which is, well, well, he's essentially playing John
0: Wayne in the film. So it's we, we can kind of tie it in there. I have to say as well, John Carpenter, the best gig I've ever been to. Really? He, it was one of those I got like tickets from a friend. It was in Vicker Street. And you're standing there surrounded by people wearing movie t-shirts that haven't fit them in about four or five years <laughs> and just waiting looking at like just a keyboard on the stage and i was like i am about to watch like a 70 year old man come out and play keyboards this yeah. is gonna be a fucking disaster <laughs> so he walks well i say walk he strides onto the stage grabs the mic and says i'm john carpenter and i make fucking horror movies <laughs> and just starts playing the halloween team and the screen just illuminates behind him with the like clips of the film And i was like all right okay this is going to be
1: fantastic I mean, he's he's the king. He is class. As I said, this isn't even my favorite John Carpenter film, but I feel it's a film that's kind of overlooked. I'm like you. Like we had a we had a big VHS collection, and you'd go into charity shops and you'd buy videos for fifty cents. And you'd see. I used to watch this film a lot, and my mates used to watch it a lot. I found out Netflix. We're all kind of watching the same films. You don't get my 70s or 80s movies on Netflix anymore. That's kind of why I want to talk about this one is just that if you haven't seen it, it is a sight to behold. It's a fantasy martial arts action comedy with little elements of horror in there thrown in as well. You're quite good at explaining plots of films. Do you want to give the lowdown?
0: How Carpenter described it is it's essentially a film about a man, Jack Burton, who thinks he's the leading man, but he's actually the sidekick. Yeah, He's just this inexplicably confident moron. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's, it's very similar
0: to the Green Hornet Where, you know, Mm-mm. Wang Chi in the background Is actually doing everything else And he's knocking himself
1: out before the fight I would say it's a metaphor for American foreign policy <laughs> Like, you know the way you ask any American Who won World War II they'll, they'll say, you know, America saved the world's ass But, like, in terms of body count Russia lost way more soldiers and fought for way longer Americans just sort of arrived in at the end of the fight And uh, laid in a few boots. And then celebrated, and that's Kurt Russell in this movie. He does absolutely nothing. <laughs> like no, he he just walks around. Like I remember, I wrote down like one line. <laughs> he just arrives into a room full of people, and he goes, "All right, everybody, relax. I'm here." And that's his <laughs> his, his kind of attitude. He's utterly useless. He doesn't affect the plot in any way. He just sort of is standing beside people who are kicking ass. Like a lot of the time during the big fights, he's either unconscious. <laughs> it's, like, it's a bit where like everyone's going to, everyone's about to kick some ass, and he shoots the ceiling, and some rocks hit him in the head, and he's knocked out for the majority of the fight. While well, there's a, these amazingly choreographed kung fu fights in the background. I remember seeing one of those
0: video essays on YouTube where it's like, if you take him out of the film, nothing changes. <laughs> nothing changes at <laughs> all.
1: Like. But yeah, he's, he's America. He arrives into a fight, into a, a foreign conflict, no knowledge of the culture, no knowledge of the language, and just starts uh, shooting, shooting randomly. And if you look at like the start of the movie... They're like, tell me the story of Jack Burton. And they talk about him like he's the greatest hero that's ever lived. And he's he just fucking nothing. I just love it.
0: It also has one of my favorite visual gags of all time, where he walks in and he's like, we're, we're going to go undercover, we're going to infiltrate, you know, the bad guy's headquarters. Yeah. And he walks in carrying a telephone and says, I'm from the phone company, and just waves it around and walks straight by the desk as if that passes for ID.
1: Yeah, it somehow works. So yeah, he somehow does this. Ah, uh, oh, yeah, phone company guy here. Got some split wires just through here, is it? See you later, bye. And they, yeah, then 20 minutes later. Got that sorted. Cheers, lads. Good luck. But uh, he's he's a wanker. He's such an arsehole. Like, uh, at the start of the film, we meet him. He's driving a truck uh, delivering pigs to Chinatown called the Pork Chop Express. <laughs> it's raining and he's wearing sunglasses at night eating a big sandwich, talking into a CB, talking absolute shit. Just sort of stories, philosophy he has. And like, there's no indication that anybody's (laughs) listening to him whatsoever. But uh, yeah, he's definitely doing a kind of a John Wayne impression. Because in Escape from New York, he's doing a Clint Eastwood. And he's a lot more of an effective action hero in that. In this, he's John Wayne. And John Wayne... He played a lot of soldiers. He played a lot of cowboys. John Wayne never went to war, you know. Mm. John Wayne stayed home during every major conflict, but is regarded as the hero who saved America a million times. You. Know? We can't say anything about John Wayne in this house. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> big fat fucker. Yeah, Andy, Andy, Andy's got a picture of John Wayne. In <laughs> Not his mine. Office. I need to point out, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> But
0: you mentioned Clint Eastwood; there. he was actually offered this, and Jack Nicholson. Can you just imagine Clint Eastwood talking about, you know, an eight-foot-tall maniac grabbing your friend's head and saying, "Yes, the check's in
1: the mail." <laughs> it's a completely different film. The check is in the mail. <laughs> like Carpenter is brilliant at uh, Carpenter; he he understands comedy and he understands horror. I remember reading once somebody said, "This is the best Mortal Combat film that's ever been made." Because the three samurais, they're straight out of like Shogun Assassin. They've got those big kind of massive straw bucket hats. They've each got like a weird little weapon. One of them has like a back scratcher as well as a <laughs> weapon. The other one has like a spinning set of knife and forks on his hands. It's weird Just said Mortal Kombat.
0: He is actually, the guys who said, he is the, the basis for a Shang Tsung in the game.
1: Oh, there you go. Lo Pan, the main villain, is terrifying. Lo Pan's like healthy makeup and then his old man makeup uh, is just amazing. Like Carpenter I think Was fortunate enough to arrive at a time Just before CGI really took off Where his practical effects were at its peak mm. Like there was amazing advances Brought forward of practical effects in the 80s Where everything was done practically You had puppets, you had robotics And all of his films Like obviously The Thing is the big one Where the effects are just ridiculously good I don't think they've yeah. ever been matched Once Carpenter got into the 90s He just sort of dipped off a bit I haven't, like there's a lot of his 90s films I haven't even seen Like I haven't seen Vampires Is that worth watching at all, Vampires?
0: It's, for someone who likes the kind of The, the, the B-movie, Nicolas Cage yeah. Coronado it, it is. it is Ghost of Mars is unwatchable But Vampires, you'll, you'll get a bit of crack Jimmy Woods is, before he became a You know, Trump Leonidic It's <laughs> still It's it's more the specialist James Woods than, than current James Woods
1: I get you Trying to make James Woods cool
0: But uh, before we move on from Big Trouble in China, I have to throw out my favorite piece of movie trivia of all time. Please. Walt Disney, before he died, on his deathbed, asked for a notepad, wrote the name Kurt Russell, gave no explanation to it, and then passed away.
1: Yeah, that man had taste. Yeah, I think he was
0: just naming his killer. Everyone says, oh, it's because of the Disney thing. He's like, no,
1: Kurt Russell killed me. (laughs) So, yeah, because Kurt Russell, would would he have been in, like, computer or tennis shoes at that stage? Yeah. Had they just signed him up or something?
0: No, he'd gone through his kind of Disney phase and was just starting to become like a kind of like, he was just going into his 20s at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine, it's
1: just, it's just bizarre <laughs> that Walt, Walt Disney's last words written down were the words Kurt Russell.
0: If you're Kurt Russell, like surely that dominates about 90% of your time where you're just sitting there with Goldie Hall and just going, what <laughs> fuck, did he mean by that? What
1: the fuck like,
0: he on, do, do I own Disneyland now?
1: <laughs> I was so delighted to see him in Death Proof. Because I think Tarantino wanted, he want Mickey Rourke initially. Yeah, that's what Mickey Rourke
0: got notions about his comeback.
1: Mickey Rourke, who looks a bit like he survived several car crashes. <laughs> Mickey Rourke looks like a stuntman, whereas um, Kurt Russell's almost too handsome. But I, I was just so delighted to see him pop up in that movie. The next one on our list is Meet Otto. He's a green cut kid in a dirty business. He repossesses cars, he's a repo
0: man. A film that I rented completely by mistake because the video shop we had didn't have the cover for Repo Man. Instead, it had a picture of a wrestling character known as the Repo Man. So I thought this was a wrestling VHS and oh took that, was this old character from like, from WWF it was at the time. Like he just had like a, like a little mask. He's dressed like the hamburger. So I thought this was like a wrestling video and yeah. rented this at like nine years old <laughs> and should not have been allowed to get this, so... As bizarre as the film is, imagine going into it thinking you're watching, you know, SummerSlam
1: 1990. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Repo Man is another, um, a lot of these are sort of videos we used to just watch over and over again. Repo Man, it's, it's 1984, it's science fiction comedy, I suppose, black comedy, written and directed by Alex Cox. I, I kind of nearly go so far as to say it's his only good film. Yeah, I think that's fair. I haven't really enjoyed his other films. Uh, it's his debut. Uh, it stars Harry Dean Stanton and Emilio Estevez, and it's about a young punk who gets a job as a repo man, taking cars from people who don't pay their bills. It has it has musician humor. It was produced by do you know um, Michael Nesmith the from the Monkeys. <laughs> Michael Nesmith from the Monkeys was the tall lad from the Monkeys who wore the beanie hat. He's a great musician. You should check out his. ...his solo albums are brilliant... ...they're kind of folky country... ...but he has a great sense of humour... ...and I've noticed... ...just from hanging around with musicians... ...musicians have a very specific type of humour... ...and they're different from comedians... ...because comedians have studied comedy... ...you know... ...comedians have watched every fucking comedy film... ...they've watched every comedy special... ...musicians are just funny... ...and they're untainted... ...by the history of comedy... ...and this film has... ...the humour of a musician... If that makes any fucking sense at all. Alex Cox is a big, he's obviously a big fan of punk. There's like punk just runs through this film. It has an amazing soundtrack. We used to have the soundtrack on a cassette tape <laughs> and we'd head around listening to it. On the soundtrack, you've got fucking Iggy Pop, Suicidal Tendencies, Black Flag, Circle Jerks. Um, there's a lovely uh, uh, song and the soundtrack do you remember the bit in the film where it's a cool black dude? He's straight out of like a black exploitation. He's a, basically a cheap shaft, yeah. And he's he's one of the Repo Men, <laughs> and uh, he's he's driving around him, and he just gives this amazing speech. <laughs> is His name fucking Juicy Bananas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the fucking soundtrack here. The track is called Bad Man. Its performer says here's Juicy Bananas, and he just he just gives this monologue of his belief system. Coming from anyone else, it would sound like he's full of shit, but because he's a cool black exploitation dude, it's just the coolest fucking speech ever. I walk into someone's place of work, that shit's they shit scared. You know I'm not a cop. Think I come to kill him and I would. I'll kill anybody who crosses me. You know what I mean?
0: Well, he said that everybody has their own little code and that, and his, I think, is the only one that he doesn't break. Like, Harry Dean Stanton gives, you know, Emilio Estevez, you know, hey, kid, here's the, the rules, and then proceeds to break every single one of them within the next five minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Harry
0: Dean Stanton is one of those who has looked 900 years old his entire life. Yeah. Like, when he, he passed away a couple of years ago, and I was waiting for to see his age to be, like, 33 or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, you watch him in, like, an old, some old Western, like, it's his first film, and he looks... About as bad as he does in 1984 (laughs) Uh, coolest dude you'd struggle to find a bad Harry Dean Stanton film Um, but yeah so the film is about um, Emilio Esfes is a punk gets a job, Harry Dean Stanton gives him a job, repossessing cars and they talk about repo men like they're like jedis or something (laughs) like the code of the repo man Mm -hmm. There's three or four repo men and he sort of hangs out with each of them and they all teach him different things. While there's a sort of a MacGuffin, this Chevy with this mysterious green light in the boot of the car. And when you open up the boot, it basically turns turns you into a skeleton (laughs) and all that's left to you is your boots. And this car is sort of running around. There's some sort of extraterrestrial bullshit tied up to it. It's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and it's a weird little film.
0: And there's none of that... Like, if you missed the thing at the start, the whole thing at the start, he gets pulled over. This guy with sunglasses with one lens out gets pulled over by a cop. He opens the boot. The guy gets completely, you know, eviscerated, and it's just his smoking boots left in the desert. Mm. And then it's not mentioned again for about an hour until one of the girls turns around to Emilio Estevez with, like, a copy of what is very clearly condoms full of water saying... <laughs> oh, yes, look, look at these aliens. You know, they're trying to keep these hidden. You're like, what the fuck does this have to show up from? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, the car at the end. Not to spoil anything, but like Bob from Batman.
1: Bob from Batman?
0: Yeah. Oh, Bob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need a minute, boys.
1: <laughs> You're my, my number one guy,
0: that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the, the guy at the end of the film Which is like supposed to be like a spaceship car But it's very clearly a car they have just painted white yeah. And then lifted up on the, the most unstable strings you've ever seen in your life Where you can see Bob <laughs> kind of panicking in the car Going, this is going to fall yeah. it, it, It's like two different films They went, look, we can't finish this one, we can't finish this one Just bash them together and see what works Yeah, it's almost like the end of Greece. <laughs> For no reason, the car just <laughs> drives off into the space I had like three VHS tapes for years growing up, like Ghostbusters, Big Trouble in Little China, and Manhunter. Oh wow! But Manhunter, the first five minutes is an Alex. It's Alex Cox introducing the film. So it was just this, like, oh, so what, he was like on, on a movie. Drum.
1: from a movie drum, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's just
0: stuck in my head as that. It was like you know, you, you'd go around to your auntie's house or whoever, and it just I had one of these three VHS tapes, and just be like, put this in a, a tape machine somewhere, and I will leave you alone for two hours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: I loved Emilio SFS's gang. Yeah. It's like this trio and they're, they're straight out of a cartoon. There's a dude, a chick and then like the stupid guy. It's mm. always like the, good one both. <laughs> they talk in like movie cliches. Like there's, there's one line where they're like, come on, let's get out of here. Let's go do some crimes. <laughs> I love when they show up as well. They just sort of come in and out of the film and don't really do anything. It's just a lot of fun, as you said, just a weird film. You don't Did you ever
0: watch Repo Chick, the sequel? No. Apparently he just, you know, without getting the rights to anything, just made a film in 2009 called Repo Chick, which is supposed to be a sequel. No
1: way. In two thousand
0: nine, And Universal <laughs> turned around and just went, no, you, you can't do this. You don't own the rights to any of this. And he's like, um, okay, it's not actually a sequel <laughs> then. Didn't change anything about the film, not even the title. And they went, all right, not fair enough.
1: So yeah, Repo Man, check it out. It's got 98% approval rotten tomatoes, <laughs> yeah. if that means anything to you <laughs> I was shocked when I saw that as well
0: something which doesn't have 98% approval rate on Rotten Tomatoes is a few years ago a tornado hit this place it killed people left and right houses were split open and you could see necklaces hanging from branches of trees I hadn't even heard of this film until you said it, and when I looked it up, the first thing I saw was a review that called it the cinematic equivalent of scab picking. Anyone with a faint heart or weak stomach should stay miles away from it.
1: Pretty accurate. Not going to argue with that. The
0: film is Gummo, Mm -hmm. and this is where I would normally say, oh, it's about this, that, or the other. I couldn't tell you what it's fucking about, so I will leave that to you to tell me what, in the name of God, this was supposed to be.
1: Gomo is, it's a portrait of just a fucked town. It was hit by a tornado years ago and they just never fully recovered. And it seems to be a town just filled with kids. There seems to be very little adult supervision in the whole film. There's no real narrative. You just sort of spend time with various characters, mostly very odd, white trash kind of characters. And it's just, yeah, it's just a portrait of just these sort of freakish, white trash characters uh, as they spend their days. Uh, it was written and directed by Harmony Corrine, who came to prominence with the film Kids by Larry Clark. He was like, I think he was fucking 19 years old. And Larry Clark was hanging around taking photos of kids in New York. Um, <laughs> somehow getting away with that and wanted to make a movie about skateboarders. And Harmony Corrine, this 19 year old, just wrote this amazing script. And then he went on to write and direct Gummo. It's, it's kind of like a series of sketches, really. It's not even I wouldn't even say It's not for everybody It's it's hardly for anybody <laughs> Like it's I
0: went from watching June to this
1: Wow And I'm not messing About 10 minutes Into the film
0: I was thinking He's after winding me up With this So I actually googled Kevin McGarhern And Gummo to see Is this some sort of Joke you have Where you get people To watch this terrible film
1: <laughs> And
0: then Stuck with it And despite myself I really enjoyed it <laughs>
1: Oh my god I'm so delighted To hear that I
0: have no idea why Yeah it's one of those where I watched it and it's it's kind of, it's like if you say, try and describe it to anyone, it's just kind of like art house surreal. Like the whole thing feels like a dream. Yeah. But there's something really sincere about it. Like the, the thing that popped into my mind when I watched it initially was a Serbian film
1: mm-hmm.
0: or Cannibal Holocaust, which it, it's nothing like those films. But these kind of beautifully shot, beautifully made things with just the most bizarre. It's not even a story at the heart of it, just all this eclectic madness happening mm. and the more i kind of delved into it, it it's not something where it's not like a lot of david lynch stuff i watch and i go it's weird for weird sake yeah. you've just oh there's a red shoe you have to decide what the red shoe <laughs> means i'm sure if you said it to to harmony what does this mean? he would have an explanation for every single thing that happened there's no ambivalence to it at all he has mm. very clearly said oh, i want to tell this story and it, it, it is. It's so, it's, I don't know if you enjoyed the right word, but it's definitely the one I've watched. And it, you know, I only watched it last night, but it's still rattling around in my head probably every bit as much as, as June is.
1: Yeah, like it's, I'm glad you said sincere because he was kind of accused of exploitation at the time. It's somewhere between almost like an exploitation movie and an house movie. Hmm. And he does pick characters on the fringes of society that under another director he could definitely be accused of exploitation but he has a genuine love and a fascination with these characters like the, the i suppose the main two guys we follow around are tumler and solomon a couple of dudes in like 13 14 15 maybe they kind of spend their days uh killing cats to sell to the chinese restaurants so they can huff glue <laughs> on paper they don't sound like very nice guys but they're they're just sort of <laughs> they are lovely lads <laughs> The only two actors in it are Chloe Sloveni and Linda Manns, who was in Out of the Blue with Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper directed Out of the Blue when she she was like 14 or something. Amazing actors. Hmm. It's it's a very hard one to recommend to anybody. I I remember like in college, we had to pick a film to write about. I picked Gummo. And within 10 minutes, like the two main characters are killing a cat it's not actual <laughs> fucking cannibal holocaust shit like it was a fake cat but my lecturer <laughs> just stood up and just left the room <laughs> and didn't come in for the, for the rest of the film
0: but again that's part of it there where you actually like. and again I had looked that up after I was like, they didn't actually really kill the cats yeah. did they? and then it you, you see him getting interviewed and he's like apparently he's involved in like you know animal rights activists yeah. and all this and just like, it, it says a lot that I thought it was real watching it whereas if you saw a lot of these types of art house movies you're like this is clearly fake, this is you trying to get a reaction from people, where I don't think this was.
1: See, the the fact that it's so real looking, Mm -hmm. everything else is real looking, it was shot in real houses I suppose he'd be a follower of the Dogma 95 movement so it's all shot in real houses, and like the houses that they shot in were so fucking dilapidated like there was ants on the walls the crew would complain about filming in these dirty, dirty houses and they're like, we're going to get diseases from being here. So Harmony Corrine and his cameraman, I think, would shoot scenes in speedos and flip-flops just to fucking, just to piss off <laughs> the rest of the crew. Another element that makes it feel quite real is that he gave the cast different types of cameras. So he gave them Super 8 cameras, he gave them Polaroids so that they would sort of go out in the town and film their own little scenes. And you have scenes of real characters in this town they shot in Of like these real racist characters Or like just quite horrible people You know it would give it a real kind of sense of authenticity the, It came to my attention I was living with my friend Porrick Connerty, who's a director And he, he was big into black metal He used to get Metal Hammer Magazine I think And met the soundtrack is, is mostly It's like mostly black metal With a bit of Roy Orbison and Madonna which is a hell of a mix. <laughs> and all the metal magazines were plugging the film. They were like, you have to check out this film. It's got an amazing metal soundtrack. And so he he learned about it through metal magazines. Mm. And then we found it on VHS. You can't even get it on DVD. I had to send to France, I think, for it. VHS is probably the best way to watch it. It's such a fucking VHS film, you know?
0: say that with, like, the contrast, the soundtrack and the metal thing. Like, he went on to direct Rihanna and, like, Fiona Apple music videos. Yeah,
1: yeah. And of course, well, yeah, his... Would you say his most famous film would be Spring Breakers? Spring Breakers, yeah. Yeah. Haven't seen that, believe it or not. Spring Breakers is great. I really like Spring Breakers. It's probably his most easily accessible one. Hmm. And it's very funny. But yeah, you can see why... People like Rihanna would go to him. He has he has an eye for beauty, but he's also just attracted to very ugly things. You know. But what
0: like you watched that for the first time, like w- without the kind of well, there wasn't much kind of fanfare at the time, but there certainly was a, a bit about it afterwards. You're watching that for the first time. What is it like? Would you enjoy the film? Do you think? Though, I respect what they've made because I know you've made your own documentaries. You've written your own uh, TV series as well. Do you look at it from that side or do you just enjoy it as a, oh, this is a a mad experience?
1: I find it very funny. Uh, I find it very beautiful. Yeah, sometimes obscenity, I suppose uh, I find obscene things very funny. I find myself laughing a lot. Like I've recommended it to like maybe four people in my life. One of them was when we were shooting Hardy books. I kept trying to get the Hardy books lads to watch Gummo because I was like, there's a connection here. We should, yeah. like, we should be making We should make Hardy books look like Gummo Basically And nobody watched it apart from the Viper <laughs> um, The other person I got to watch Was Do you know Peter McGann He does a character Liam Nugent Yes I do yeah, He's quite a dark uh, Comedian with quite a dark sense of humour He really enjoyed it as well But yeah what do I enjoy about it I think it's beautiful and it's funny And it's it's just very different It's incredibly different And plus I like heavy metal
0: like, you see people like Gus Van Sand absolutely loves it as well. Yeah,
1: well, Herzog, he became friends with Herzog after Herzog watched Gummo, I think.
0: Herzog's review where he said there was a piece of bacon on the wall during the bathtub scene that made him burst into tears, and you're like, that's just... <laughs> you know.
1: there's a, yeah, there's a scene where, like, Solomon is getting a bath, and the water is brown. And um, his mother gives him this big old dirty plate of spaghetti bolognese and then these two little black kids in like suits arrive and they're selling candy bars for some charity. And uh, she buys two candy bars and he eats the candy bar in the middle of the dinner and drops it in the water and continues eating it. And there's a strip of bacon glued to the wall behind him. For some reason and fucking Herzog saw that and just started blubbering like a baby for some fucking (laughs) mad reason. There's also the whole
0: Christ analogy as well. Are you familiar with that? No. Where the bunny boy is supposed to be Jesus Christ.
1: Oh, the bunny boy. Well, the bunny boy is the only happy character in the whole film, practically. He's like this little shirtless kid who skateboards, doesn't say a word, plays the accordion and has a set of pink bunny ears. And he just sort of roams around uh, interacting with people. I've never heard the Christ analogy with him, no
0: Yeah, I've fallen down the rabbit hole completely with this The whole thing is that he Fallen down the bunny hole (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, apparently the whole thing is that he's like an allegory for Jesus Christ And then in the scene, like he gets killed in the film And then gets resurrected And he's wearing the bunny outfit Which is of course, you know, symbolism of Easter So it's, I don't know how true or false this is But it's, it's one of those, you know
1: yeah, there seems the bunny boy in a dump and he runs across these like two five to eight year old boys dressed as cowboys and they just start shouting like homophobic abuse at the bunny boy but they sound like little Texans like they sound like old men <laughs> I just thought that was just more of like a sort of piss take of toxic masculinity I guess
0: We've made this sound way more normal than it is. Like yeah, it that, that doesn't sound too bad. This is—I kind of don't want to go into the more bizarre. Because I really want somebody to watch this and go, "What did you recommend to me?"
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's bare as I said, barely anyone. If you're feeling really fucking brave, yeah, I wouldn't—I wouldn't even watch with your friend unless you have a mad friend. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It is. It's a film that feels like you know. If you're watching that with a mate, it would feel like you're watching porn. Your man da walk in. You just be kind of like <laughs>
1: uncomfortable that they're like you're into this stuff, right? Yeah. What could you compare it to? Did you say Serbian film? Yeah. Serbian film is fucking disturbing. Like that's. I've
0: I mean it from the way it's like I don't like I don't think there's an earnestness to Serbian film that there is in this. Like I think that's very much the so many scenes and that was like we're just going to put this in. It has no narrative purpose. This is just to shock you. I think kind of Slacker or Kids
1: would be kind of the most like an art house version of Slacker. Kids, I suppose, yeah. Like I'm I'm seeing here in the Wikipedia page, the film explores a broad range of issues, including drug abuse, violence, homicide, vandalism, mental illness, poverty, profanity, homophobia, sexual abuse, sexism, suicide, grief, prostitution, and animal cruelty. Like it covers a lot of very unpleasant things. It's like trailer park boys if David Lynch directed it. Yeah, that's very good. That's fucking very good. You can see why I tried to get the Hardy Bucks lads to watch
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine the, going to RTE with Gummo and saying, hey, this is, we want to make this. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we want to make.
1: <laughs> but in Swinford,
0: Mayo. <laughs> Who was Aidan Gillen going to play in it, boys? <laughs> <laughs> and finally the last film on my list couldn't be more different as mainstream probably as, as it gets in, in the Kevin McGarren world So Rick, uh, explain to the audience exactly what it is a stunt double does Actors are required to do a, a lot of dangerous stuff mm. Cliff here is meant to help carry the load Is that uh, how you describe your job, Cliff? What, carrying his load? Yeah, it's about right It's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood
1: Yeah I'm one of those annoying lads Who just love everything Tarantino does I think we've had arguments before Over Death Proof Or maybe just in my head (laughs) We've had arguments over Death Proof I fucking love Death Proof I think it does exactly what it's set out to do But yeah Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I, I saw that and I just I can't stop watching it Like I'd have that film just on telly On the background just on repeat it's a film I want to live in I feel like he does a really good job like this this very little in by way of plot it's a hangout movie it's like you know days of confused or something we're just hanging out with these incredibly magnetic characters for Jesus nearly fucking three hours and I want it to go on forever I want to I want to just watch footage of Brad Pitt driving around 1969 Hollywood what was your what was your initial reaction to it
0: it's one of the ones I wish I could go back and do the review of again because when I came out of it, I didn't like I gave it four out of five initially. I didn't like the end of it because I thought he was just retreading Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. But like you said, my favorite moments is just them hanging out. And it's it's kind of the the director equivalent of spinning the ball on your finger. So it's just like, look what I look how I can just keep your attention by doing this apparently like simple thing. That no one else can do as good mm. as him And I know there's the whole cancel culture thing With him now but he is an actual Genius like he is on my Mount Rushmore director like, there's, What
1: was the cancel culture thing? It's just he's you know this
0: treatment of women in films You know the weird fuff fetish The whole thing with Uma Thurman on the set of uh, Kill Bill
1: As well He's He created one of the greatest female characters ever I would say two <laughs> Played by the same woman yeah Played by the same woman he's created two or Possibly three actually I'd say Jackie Brown as well A fucking Jackie Brown Jesus Christ Like Jackie Brown is one of the greatest Coolest fucking women I've ever seen in a film Uh, I don't buy that shit at all Like I mean you watch something like Reservoir Dogs Especially like when a character drops the n-word for no reason Mm. You're kind of like Oh god I kind of wish that wasn't in this film that I love so much (laughs) But at the same time Those characters are scumbags And scumbags talk like that you know but here's my theory. I've given, I've, I've said this to you before. Here's my theory for once upon a time in Hollywood. Once upon a time in Hollywood is Tarantino telling our generation that we are a bunch of whinging assholes, and he is class, and everyone, <laughs> everyone from the 1990s, his generation, are fucking awesome, and us woke kids are a bunch of whinging babies. And let me explain. So, the two main characters are basically cowboys. They're old white representatives of the old Hollywood. And the Manson family, the villains, are all played by kids of 90s actors. You've got uh, Bruce Willis's kid. Rumor. You've got Andy McDowell's kid. Kevin uh, Smith's kid. Kevin Kevin Smith's kid
0: really? Yeah, Harley. What's a Harley Quinn Smith is in it as well. She's one of the uh, the Manson girls.
1: So yeah, you go through that whole Manson family. They're all played by children of '90s actors, and the queen of the woke brigade now would be um, Lena Dunham plays the elder uh, member of the Manson family, and she you can't get like she's Mrs. Woke Millennial, you know, and they're the fucking villains. The scene where Brad Pitt is walking back from the house after visiting his old friend and they're just booing. They're just booing this old white cowboy. That's Twitter right there. <laughs> That's Twitter saying, fuck off, you old white cowboy. This is our time. And Tarantino even shows us Brad Pitt. He, he gives us Brad Pitt's character, the Cliff Booth, the coolest fucker. You've ever seen in a film I can't think of a cooler fucker Than Cliff Boot. A dude I want to hang out with He shows us this character He gives him amazing charisma And uh, he makes you fall in love with him And then He shows us Him killing his wife And still As an audience mm. member You go I still fucking like the yeah. guy <laughs> uh, And it's like In order to get cancelled the, the equivalent of Saying a racist tweet in 1969 is basically killing your wife Like in order to get cancelled In 1969 It's not a problematic tweet Or a bad joke It's like you you basically have to kill your wife And still We kind of want to hang out with this guy some more And he's basically saying Look at Yeah sure One of us might have killed our wives Back in the day But we used to jump across bridges and cars <laughs> Fuck you Like I honestly think Tarantino I'd love to ask him about it if I ever... If you're ever interviewing Tarantino, ask him about this. I think that's Tarantino basically taking the piss out of our generation.
0: When you told me that initially, I was like... Yeah. And then how... I was like... The the, the Spawn Ranch thing, where they're essentially sucking the life out of this old man. Mm. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, you wouldn't cast Bruce Dern in that if that... I think I thought that's where it fell apart. And then I remembered... The only reason they cast him is because Burt Reynolds was initially cast and had died. And if there's anyone who encompasses 70s, you know, machismo real men, it's fucking Burt Reynolds. So I was like, yeah, actually, if anything, I've just made your point even more valid. And it was one of those things we heard is like, oh, I'm I'm just, I wish I had come up with that
1: myself. Because Bruce Dern was very much a hippie cowboy. Yeah. Like Bruce Dern was, Bruce Dern shot John Wayne in the film The Cowboys. And John Wayne, I remember I listened to this on a podcast. John Wayne uh, was getting the squibs put on him, <laughs> and he was like, "You know, is this gonna hurt Bruce? Because Bruce had been shot nearly in every <laughs> film." And he's, like, "Yeah, it's gonna sting. It's gonna sting." And they were, they were lining up. This is after John Wayne had given that Playboy interview, I think. And the hippies fucking hated John Wayne, <laughs> and they kind of liked Bruce Stern because he was kind of cool. They were lining up the shot and John Wayne was standing, getting ready to get shot by Bruce. Bruce is holding up the gun and uh, John Wayne turns to, turns to him and says, you know, they're going to hate you for this, Bruce. And Bruce just lines up the shot and goes, yeah, but they're going to love me in Berkeley. <laughs> <And> shoots <them. laughs> um, So yeah, you're definitely right. Burt Reynolds would have been, he would have been part of the old school moustache and muscles and hairy chest brigade.
0: Before we finish up, uh, this is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is supposed to be the second to last film. There's been rumors of what Tarantino's last one One idea he kind of floated was he wanted to remake Reservoir Dogs knowing everything he knows now.
1: That's so stupid.
0: you were, you know, head of the studio and Quentin Tarantino, you had to tell him what to make essentially for his last film or suggest to him what to make. What would you like to see him do?
1: Maybe a horror. Um, Like those elements of especially that... That scene just before we were talking about where he he's walking into the the cabin on top of the hill to meet Bruce Stern, that was quite that was quite frightening. That was kinda Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of vibes. And I like he can obviously do tension very well. So I'd like to see him I guess try and do a horror. A horror comedy. I'd love to see a horror comedy from Tarantino. But it's not a good Swan song. No. It's not something that he's gonna go out. That's something he makes like halfway through his career. So, I don't know. I don't want the job. Ask him whatever he wants to
0: do himself. <laughs> I'd love to see him do like a kind of a, a serial kill, like something like Seven by Quentin Tarantino. I would, or Zodiac, kind of more to the point of atmosphere like that. I'd love to see his version of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could get behind that. I don't know. I suppose what has he not done? He hasn't done a sci fi. Again, there's that rumor of him doing Star
0: Trek or. I don't know if I want to see him do a pre-existing one And then part of me is like I want to only see him do Like a comic book movie or a Star Trek I'd love to see what does a Quentin Tarantino
1: You know motherfuckers in space look like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is um, it is annoying that he's given us this 10 picture rule thing Because it's like you know if you have one last If you have one record to listen to for the rest of your life What's it going to be I just, I'd like if he just kept on making films
0: And if there's one actor you'd like to see get a, a Tarantino renaissance Who would you go for?
1: Uh, well, I'm a big Nicolas Cage fan. I like I used to say Kurt Russell because I loved Kurt Russell and he hadn't done much, but then he gave him Death Proof and a cameo on the last one. Um, I'd like to see Aidan Gillen and Nicolas Cage do playing a pair of brothers, <laughs> uh, insane brothers on a crime spree or something. I think I think Aidan Gillen is our Nicolas Cage. He just makes such odd choices with his performance that I am fucking fascinated by
0: <laughs> That is a great comparison, I could have had that when he came back to Game of Thrones with a really thick Dublin accent and was never addressed <laughs> during the show Yeah, he's a troll, he's yeah. a total troll I just, I just got the impression he's in on it <laughs> Yeah, 100% I'd love to see, Nicolas Cage would have been my pick but I would love to see Quentin Tarantino with Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy
1: Jesus, that's, that's an odd one now
0: the only reason I'm picking Steve Martin because he was in a film years ago by David Mammoth, the guy who wrote in, the Glengarry Glen Ross yeah. called The Spanish Prisoner where he played a con man and it was like one of the few serious roles I've seen him do and he is an evil bastard in it. He is absolutely fantastic. Like, and The first few minutes are like, Steve Martin and then he, he makes you believe in this Like, and you're just like, oh, this is like, it's like when you saw Adam Sandler do Punch Drunk Globe or something, like, yeah. oh, there's a whole well of this that we haven't, we've never explored. And we never have, like, we've never had, you know, he's never had his his Punch Drunk glove or Uncut Gems or whatever you want to go through.
1: I think, I think comedians are, um, they've got a dark reservoir in them. Um, Most of them, like Martin Short. (laughs) (laughs) Martin Short uh, doesn't, but like the likes of Steve Martin or Steve Coogan or obviously Robin Williams. You can always tell who has the bit of darkness in them, you know. Actually... What film I really wished I picked was Clifford by Martin Short. I think that's criminally, criminally underrated. One of the funniest fucking films. That is my nickname, unfortunately. <laughs> my missus calls me Clifford. Really? Yeah. After the dog or after Martin Short? After
0: the fucking psycho. <laughs> the um, laugh didn't help me
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen Clifford, it's... I, I, I was on holidays with my family, kind of my in-laws... And we had to pick a film and I tentatively picked Clifford. And you know when you're picking a film that nobody's seen before and you're absolutely shitting yourself that they're going to hate it. And they absolutely loved it. Martin Short is like a 43 year old man pretending to be a 12 year old boy. And Charles Grodin is his uncle who plays it really fucking straight. And it is it is so funny. Go see Clifford
0: Charles Grodd is one of those Underrated Like straight men He just has that yeah. Face of exacerbation Of what the fuck Are you doing now <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah And a great He's he's so into the scene You can tell When he's improvising uh, With Martin Short uh, And he's so close To just punching This child in the face <laughs>
0: Like you can go from like a St. Bernard To you know Martin Short And still have that same level of you know, <laughs> Chaotic fuck offness <laughs> in his face I'm going to put this fucker down <laughs> regarding of, Regardless of the species <laughs> Big trouble little China Repo man gum on Once upon a time in Hollywood uh, Interesting eclectic and uh, Never dull list Kevin McGarn Thank you so much for joining me today Thank you Andrew <laughs>